What a day, what a day, what a day. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Happy New Year. This is our final show on Raider Nation Radio of 2021. And I'd like to thank everybody who listens, supports us, streams the show all over the global Raider Nation. Thank you. From my family to your family, thank you very much for listening every day, building this radio show, doing what we do every day. No chance we can do it without you. So we greatly want to thank you, and we thank our partners, especially the monologue brought to you by Golden Entertainment. They own the Stratosphere. Man, did they turn that around and turn it into a monster. Again, we want to thank everybody at Arizona Charlie's and especially the 64-plus taverns in town here where a lot of people go and have great times. From gaming to food to drink, the best happy hour in town from 5 to 7 to midnight to 2, Taryn Ross, the entire team over at Golden, we really appreciate it. Thanks for fueling the monologue every day in what I thought was a big year for us here on Raider Nation Radio with everything that happened, good and bad, everything that's happening on the field now as the Raiders have an opportunity to make the playoffs. And they are proving now you're hearing the term resilient. You're hearing it a lot now that the Raiders are one of the most resilient teams in all of football this year. And they have a chance to go into Indy And I wouldn't say shock the world. They can beat Indy anywhere. They can play them in a parking lot. They can play them in Vegas, go back to Oakland, Indy, wherever it is. This team's good enough to win this game. And we're going to dive into that over the next two hours. Today, again, I'd just like to thank you for listening. And I hope you have a great New Year's if you're in Vegas. There's a lot to do here on New Year's. Wherever you're listening around the country, around the globe, we get calls from London, Australia, frequently, Florida, Maryland, New York, where I'm originally from, the Bay Area. Man, thank God this, this mobile app and everybody in the Bay Area understood. I talk to friends daily in the Bay Area who said it's the biggest disrespect they've ever seen on how the Bay Area has walked away from Raider coverage. Look, the Raiders left. I get it. You don't want to talk Raiders as much? You don't want to put them on TV as much. I get it. It's 49ers up in the Bay Area. The Raiders are gone. There are so many Raider fans in the East Bay, the Bay Area, Oakland, San Francisco. I hear from them all the time. I see them at the games. We would not have the success we have here with our partners without the Raider fans in Los Angeles and the Bay Area who are really part of the backbone of the show on top of our new fans here in Vegas who are picking up with the team. And I I tell you, with this new stadium – All the talk around town, all the corporate partners, everybody coming together for the Raiders, bravo. It's been fantastic. There's a difference between the NFL and everybody else. I think Vegas understood that this was a big year because it was the first year with fans. As Mark Davis opened the door after year one where he didn't want anybody to go if not everybody could go. And now everybody's coming. They sold all their tickets. They put on some unbelievable concerts. Half times, pre-games, ceremonies for Tom Flores and Charles Woodson. And, of course, this year with a heavy heart, we wrap up the year with the passing of John Madden and uh, several other former players who passed away. And we'll talk about that here today, too. But I'm in a great mood with what can happen here on Sunday. I interviewed the coach today over at the facility, and he's pretty fired up. 
uh, you know, everybody over there understands the Madden story big. And they have a game to get to. There's some COVID issues, definitely with the Raiders. They're trying to get guys back from COVID protocol. And the Colts are getting some guys back, as we've seen today. Uh, yesterday, I had fun. I threw up on my Twitter at JT the Brick, which at times could be hit or miss, believe me. Uh, what would you call this game? I said Sunday's game in Indy is a very big game in Las Vegas Raiders history. Second season in Vegas with a potential playoff opportunity on the line. The passing of John Madden. Okay, the last game of this season. Uh, when we talk about being on the road. Much adversity off the field, etc. This game needs a name. What do you have? And currently I have over 180 responses on the name of this game coming up. Now, of course, you want to name a game after the game. Ghost to the Post. The Heidi game. Unfortunately, the Immaculate Reception and the Tuck Rule. The Sea of Hands. You didn't name it beforehand. I'm aware of that. You name it after the game. But if the Raiders don't win the game, we're not going to name the game. Okay, I don't, I don't perceive another Immaculate Reception, and I know there's not going to be a Tuck Rule game indoors in Indy. But some of the... Interesting names that came in, the Circle City Showdown, a lot of the quarterback must go down and must go down hard game, the rise of the silver and black. I got more Madden Bowl, Madden Bowl than anything. And the Boom Bowl, because John Madden always said boom. Plain and simple, the just win game. If you'd like to help with that, uh, just go on Twitter at JT the Brick. There was some clever ones, some good ones. The Reckoning, it's a Madden world. And there's a lot of people that are still negative. You know, a lot of people still don't think that the Raiders can win who are Raider fans. It's shocking to me, but I'm here. I'm here to bring some faith and some energy and do my job for the next two hours, and then I'm going to have a big bucket of Modelo uh, celebrate this year, and then my wife and my sons will bring in the new year together tomorrow. And then we, we got an early game. We'll be at M Resort Spawn Casino on Sunday early. One of those early starts that we have. I'll get you the exact time. And I hope you come on out. We have a great turnout usually there inside the Raiders Tavern and Grill. And come on out and see Eric Allen and myself and say hello, and we can wish you a happy new year. So my conversation with Rich Passaccia, that'll be at the top of the hour. Bill Williamson, one of the longest tenured Raiders insiders, he's going to join us here in about 40 minutes. We'll talk to him about some of the issues surrounding this team. So a lot of shows at the end of the year, and I do my show tonight. I'm going to do a year in review. I don't think we need to do that today because the year in review here hasn't been kind. The Gruden resignation and the Henry Ruggs car accident that killed Tina Tintor was really a big gut punch to everybody, and we all know that. So I don't want to do any year in review. Yahoo put out the top 10 stories, top 10 in sports this year. You know, news stories doesn't have to be good or bad, and the Raiders had two, the Gruden resignation and Henry Ruggs. So we're inside the bubble here with the Raiders. We don't want to do anything like that. I don't want to revisit that. Obviously, we still pray for the family of Tina Tintor and everyone there, and we'll be involved with that going forward in any way we can help. But when it comes to what's happened on the field, I heard today twice resilient, and one of the times was with Coach Passaccia. This is one of the most resilient teams that I've seen in the 23 seasons I've been with the Raiders because they threw too much literally too much and more than any roster has ever been through, I believe, in NFL history. Because everybody went through 9-11 at the same time. I was there for that. Every team went through 9-11 and the pause and coming back again. 
Every team has a death in the family. You could lose a player, a family, something like that's happened before. But what happened to the Raiders this year, from the Washington emails that took out John Gruden, not defending the content of the emails, Henry Ruggs coming off the bye week, and what was considered at the time a really good teammate, a good friend to a lot of people in the organization, and what that felt like around this city and around the globe, that was tough. It was really tough. And as I've told people and talked to some of my friends and colleagues, we never know what the scarring's going to be with what we went through this year. Forget us. We're on the outside. You're listening. You're involved. You're a season ticket holder. I'm doing a radio show. But the people on the inside, especially football, we don't know what they've been through. Those coaches have been around, some of them, forever. And they never had to deal with anything like this. And they're able to do that and they're winning football games. They're above 500. Now, we all know that the Raiders should be at least a nine-win team going into this game. You can look at the Washington football team. I look at the Giants game at MetLife, which was a disaster. And the game that bummed me out the most was Chicago. Because I think Chicago came in really conservative and they beat the Raiders. So those are three games. But then there was some moments where the Raiders could have lost and they won. Right? You take a look at all the games. Miami in overtime. Baltimore in overtime. They beat Pittsburgh. Dallas was maybe the high point of the season. Game they could have lost with all the penalties they won in Dallas. So it feels like a roller coaster. And a lot of times roller coasters are fun. That's why when you go to an amusement park, the longest line is for the best roller coaster. Because you know it's going to be up and down, but at the end you're going to come off and be, wow, that was great. Let's get online and do it again. No one wants to get online and do this ever again. No one ever wants a season like this to ever happen again with what happened off the field. But these players continue to show up and do their job. And I think the injuries have mounted. COVID now, the Raiders are finally getting hit with COVID. And we, you know, every team's getting hit with COVID, but at different times. Now the Raiders are getting slammed with it, and the team doesn't complain. I know for a fact, because I'm in the building, the practices are outstanding. How could it not be? You have Tom Cable with the offensive line. Rod Marinelli with the defensive line. Ron Malias, who does an unbelievable job with the secondary. Gus Bradley, who's a former head coach. Rich Basaccia, the head coach, who's done a fine job. Also knows special teams as good as anybody. The practices were always going to be really good. And Derek Carr is the leader of the team, and he practices his ass off. He loves practice. So the team has been resilient, and they're showing up. But uh, the big topic has been, you know, everybody practicing on the practice squad and the backups like they're ready to play. And again, another point of emphasis for my conversation with Coach today, I think they've done an outstanding job. You know how you give grades out, A, B, C, D? I think you've got to give this team an A, the coaches, for how they get this team ready to play. They really do a nice job because there's a lot of backups playing and there's a lot of guys hurt. And a lot of guys unavailable for COVID, and the next man up is a pretty good player. And I think Mike Mayock needs to get a lot of credit for that. You might not like every draft pick, nor do I, but the way he's been able to fill some of the needs, especially with all the turmoil, has been very impressive. And then it comes to the people I know on the other side of the building, sales, corporate partnerships, the people that deal with you, the fans, the people in the stadium at Allegiant Stadium, and the job they do. And overall, I think it's been a really good year at the stadium. Were there more fans of other teams than you thought? Yeah, probably. 
But I know it's a heavy Raider crowd. I'm in there. I'm in my seats for every game. It roars. It roars. It's the loudest stadium I've been to. That's brand new when something good happens. But a lot of these games, uh, not a lot of good have happened. This team finally won their sixth game at home. They went into that game 5-10. and 10. Now they're 6-10 and 10 lifetime. And now the stadium hopefully will have life for that Charger game. The last game of the season, which will be a big one. So let's spend some time today because the passing of John Madden was something that we all talked about and wanted to grieve, discuss, coach. We had some unbelievable guests on. And now I have one day because we don't have a show tomorrow due to the holiday. I have one day to get into this indie game, and I want to go balls out on it. I really want to know from you what will be the key to the game. I get off the fence. Get off the fence. I don't build fences. I knock them down. Get off the fence. I don't want to hear, oh, well, maybe this, oh, maybe we need to be balanced. No. Have an opinion and stand by it. How the hell do they win this game? I've been struggling. I'm struggling with this one. How do you win this game? I've gotten it right most of the years. I thought this team was going to be 9-8. and eight. That's what I said when the season started on this air. I had them at 9-8, and eight, and I thought potentially nine wins could get you in as the seventh wild card. I wasn't picking them over Kansas City. I wasn't picking this team. You know, I had the Colts in the playoffs. I had Tennessee in the playoffs. I did not have New England in the playoffs. I had Buffalo winning the Super Bowl and winning the AFC. I got a lot of my picks right. But the Raiders, I thought, could get in with nine wins coming in last in seventh. And they might be around there again, but I think it's going to take ten wins to get in. It looks that way, and they're going to have to run the table. Now, how do they win this game? The good news, the number one story, even more so than Josh Jacobs, is the defense held Denver to 18 yards rushing. One of the fewest yards ever in Raiders history given up by the defense. That is great. Again, I talked to Coach Passacci about that today off the air. I go, that's pretty cool to be able to put your stamp on that if you're a defensive coach to say, hey, I was a part of the Raiders in 2021 when we held Denver to 18 yards, and Drew Locke had 10 of it. So that's an exceptional number that will be around this organization for years to come. So I love the defensive line. It's the strength of the team. They brought in Yannick Ngakwe. He's played pretty much the whole year. Mad Max is a beast. He's a pro bowler. But the guys inside have done a nice job. Solomon Thomas, Quentin Jefferson, certain players when they've been able to play, they've been damn good. They've been really good at stopping the run. Jonathan Hankins. So I like that. I've been very critical of the linebackers. And what's bizarre is we wait for some of the linebackers to get off of COVID which is very important that they get off of COVID and they're able to go. I finally like these linebackers. I haven't all year. I mean, I like them as human beings, but I don't like the linebackers. I think they vastly underachieve. So they brought in Denzel Perryman who went to the Pro Bowl. So he overachieved, in my opinion, played well. He was banged up. Now he's back. Corey Littleton, I've been as hard on him as anybody you've heard in this market or any market. I really believe that he's playing for his future here. If he's not back next year, it will not be shocking to anybody. But in that last Denver game, he played really well. So maybe there's something going on with him that could really be helpful. I can't believe that Nicholas Morrow didn't play this year. I still don't understand why he wasn't able to come back and get healthy. I don't get it. But I'm not a doctor and I'm not a trainer. And I like what they're doing at linebacker, K.J. Wright. I expected more out of him. But again, he's a big game guy. He's a guy who's big in the playoffs in the Super Bowl, and I count on him to play well. And then Divine Diablo came in, and he could fly around all over the place. 
So the linebackers, to me, are very important in this game because they got to get to the ball. They have to tackle. If Jonathan Taylor hits the hole and gets through a gaping hole, say, and he hits a linebacker and he runs him over or jukes him out, there better be two other guys there ready to take him down or this guy will destroy the Raiders single-handedly. But the Raiders have a lot of momentum coming off the limited running yards they gave up to Denver. So that's a really big plus. Casey Hayward's had a great year. Trayvon Mullen's gone. Jonathan Abrams gone. Let that sink in. And if you're driving, pull over. I don't want you to wreck. Let that sink in. That two of the premier young players in this organization counted on to be defensive stalwarts for good. Abram and Mullen are not available to play again. Mind-blowing. Now, injuries happen. Jonathan Abram hits like a tank. He missed his first year, and he's out again. And Trayvon Mullen tried to give it a go coming off injury, and he can't go. You think those two guys are important? They're young. They hit. They have fresh legs. Mullen played in the national championship game with Renfro and Clee Farrell. I mean, this guy's supposed to be a young Willie Brown, a young Namdi Asamoa, a young star player in this league for years to come, and he's out. So it's next man up. Trufant played great. We've seen other guys step in face on and play at a high level. That's because of Mayock bringing him in and Gus Bradley and his coaches coaching him up. Outstanding job. Really good job to have those guys ready to play. I love Trayvon Merrick because you don't hear anything about him. You don't hear he's in the tub. He can't get out of the injury room. You don't hear he's not, he's not into it. He's been great, and he doesn't get beat often. I love that kid. He's fantastic. So everything's good there. And then let's move to the offensive side. The offensive side, Josh Jacobs finally got going. 129 yards. He tied his career high. Very important stat for Josh going forward. Uh, This is really the the best definition you could have of glass is half full or glass is half empty. Really, Josh Jacobs is that definition. You either believe that Josh is playing well now, your glass is half full, he's going to play great going into Indy, or it's glasses half full. Well, Josh played good finally, but he hasn't played good. I don't know where you stand on that. But I would choose to pound this home today on this last radio show of the year. Every caller should be calling in, pumping up Josh Jacobs. Who cares about what happened already? Okay, I think it's a down year, a disappointing year for him in general. He just had a monster game. And if he can continue to have two more, who cares about those first few games? So I hope Josh knows that too because the whole world is talking not about him. They're talking about Jonathan Taylor. And then Darren Waller on COVID. Darren's a great guy. I went up to him on the sidelines before this last game. He was getting ready to come out on the field for the Man of the Year nomination. And I shook his hand and I said, tremendous life. What a great story. And he really appreciated it. And it was a great moment that I had with him just for a quick two seconds. But I really like Darren. He's come on our show often. I really pull for him. His life is so much bigger off the field than on the field. I've known a lot of football players in my life with the Raiders. I don't think of them all as football players. A lot of them aren't Hall of Famers. I think of their life off the field and what they're doing now in their lives, and he's going to be one of the greats. I'm tight with Max. I'm really tight with Max. I think the world to him, he's a great player. He's going to be a pro bowler for years to come just because of his work ethic. And then it comes to Derek. I was here when Derek started. I hosted the Derek Carr Show in the Bay Area. I pulled Derek. I'm critical of him when he doesn't play well, and I pull for him in every game to win. So that's what I want to end the monologue off with Derek Carr, who had a really rough year. 
not not in regards to his play. He's had a four thousand plus yards, and he's putting up good stats, completion percentage. But he lost Henry Ruggs, and he lost his coach, his mentor, and John Gruden. And you haven't heard a peep about him. No problem with Derek. He's vaccinated, unlike the other quarterback. He's ready to play, always says the right thing, and he's the ultimate teammate. So I'd like to see Derek have a big game. Uh, Derek talked yesterday about the loss of John Madden, the iconic Raider coach. Oh, yeah, I'm probably the best at, uh, at his video game of all time. Um, but, I, uh, you know, I didn't get much time to be around him. Uh, the times that he did come by, it was very brief uh, in my eight years here. Um, uh, but hearing stories, um, some really cool stories actually about him from, you know, some of the guys throughout the years. Um, every time he was around, just such, uh, such an amazing man. Um, you know, so kind. Uh, always, you know, everyone said he was a coach. He was definitely always a coach. You know, um, and uh, you know, I don't, I didn't have any personal stories um, or anything like that. Um, I know that my my uncle actually uh, got in a fight in training camp one year and coach Madden ran over to stop it and he actually slipped in the mud and got all muddy. And so my uncle thinks maybe that's the reason he got cut uh, one of the times, but uh, <laughs> you know, the, you know, it's um, cool family stories for us to share and talk about, but um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't know him personally, but when he was around, you know, being able to talk to him and see him was, was pretty cool. But you know, he, he has such a legacy, obviously the kids and everybody nowadays thinks about the video game and um, you know, uh, and all those things and the legacy he's left there. But, you know, what he was, what he was able to do with his career is pretty awesome as well. As he said by Derek Carr, you know, I didn't know Coach Madden well. A lot of people that came in in my era, you know, he wasn't around a lot. You know, the old-timers know him and some of the other people. A lot of guys know him in the facility because Coach Madden's been around. But Coach Madden, at the end of his life, he wasn't around as much. He communicated with a lot of his former players by phone. Well, the ones who knew him the best were able to go see him. And Derek understands that, and he has the ultimate respect for John Madden. Carr was asked about the upcoming two games, the run that they have to be on to win them to make the playoffs. Yeah, I, um, you know, emotionally, I think we've been through everything, you know, uh, for sure. Um, you know, physically, um, this has been one of the more demanding years for whatever reason, on top of everything, uh, for myself. Um, and uh, it just is... Uh, Sometimes I have a lot of questions, Paul, you know, sometimes that I just probably won't get answers to, um, you know, like why certain things have to happen or why I have to feel this way, you know, at some point. Um, but at the end of the day, like we always talk about, nobody cares. You know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that we do, you know, we have two games left against two really good football teams and we need to win them. And uh, if we do that, we can get in. I think that'd be pretty remarkable. I think it'd be pretty amazing, um, you know, but it, it falls in line with what our plans were at the beginning of the year. And uh, despite all the adversity, um, to be able to still stare your goals in the face and have an opportunity uh, to attain them, um, it, it's pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie, it, it is pretty cool. But none of it matters unless we, you know, take care of business uh, on the road here against the Colts. I agree with him. None of it matters. None of it matters unless they beat the Colts, which is that's big boy football. That's pro football. You know, everybody wants to talk about the great moments. And we do that at Silver and Black Productions every year. In a couple of weeks, you're going to get an email or an alert on your phone. Here are the top ten moments from the Raiders this year. A touchdown, a catch. Hunter Renfro, can he get to 100 receptions? Whatever it is, it's all great. But you got to win. Mark Davis wants to win championships. He really cares about that. That's the goal of this organization. 
not to be 500 and miss the playoffs by a game. And we all know that. Fans know it too. And fans are tough on the team when they're not making the playoffs. But this year, with the adversity, it's going to take some time to get away from it all. A month or two or maybe the offseason and come back and go, wow. Man, they were resilient what they had to go through. That was crazy what they went through. But there are a lot of fans listening to me today. They want this game. They need this game. And it's going to kick off the new year in a big way. One more from Derek Carr on the fact that there's COVID within the roster and everybody else who's healthy better play. That's, that's pretty much what it's become, honestly. Um, you know, for us, it, it's whoever shows up, whoever we're playing, you know, you try and learn the scheme. You try and learn about every single one of their players, you know, as a quarterback, um, just to be ready, just to be prepared. Um, you know, but when it comes to, you know, the NFL making decisions and all that kind of stuff, we, I mean, it changes all the time, you know, and it's, it's you know, it's always evolving. It's always changing. Um, you know, I think I said it after the Browns game, you know, or, you know, just, we don't care. You know, you had everyone get a vaccine, so just let us play, you know, just, you know, if that's what the, that's what it was for, you know, if, if the vaccine works and then just let us play, you know, that's what we were, that's what we were saying in our building, you know, just let, let all them play, you know, and, uh, and, you know, as more things come out and this comes out, then they change this and change that. So I, Vinny, I, I stopped trying to figure it out. Um, I just kind of prepare, do my best to keep myself and my family safe and my teammates safe and, um, you know, make sure I'm available, um, you know, so that when the game does come, I'm one of those players that can be available. And so uh, it's hard, you know, uh, especially this time of year, you know, in the cold and flu season, it's hard to, you know, you know stay safe and stay, you know, super super clean and all those kind of things and not get sick and all that. Uh, but you try your best to do the, do the right things to make sure you put your best foot forward so you can be available for your team. That's a really important soundbite. Great question by our teammate, Vinny Bonsignor. Does a tremendous job. This is, this is really bothering me. Really bothering me that Carson Wentz of Indy has a different protocol now than Derek Carr. It's the same protocol. And he's unvaccinated. And Derek handled that beautifully. You could tell where he was going. You know, let them all play if they're vaccinated. If you didn't believe in the vaccine, you had to pay a penalty phase during the pandemic. That goes for everybody. If you don't want to get the vaccine, you're not into it. I don't preach it every day. Some people hear preachy in my voice. I don't care. I could care less what anybody thinks about this topic but me. Okay, so let me get that out because I'm pissed. Carson Wentz chose not to be vaccinated, and on the day he went on COVID-19 protocol, the league changed the rule in regards to unvaccinated players. I think that's garbage. Now, I'm not a Raider conspiracy theorist. I believe that Franco's ball hit the ground from talking to players who played in the game for the Immaculate Deception game. I believe that. I anchored the post-game show on the Tuck Rule game. I talked to players, and I've talked to Woodson privately about it, Greg Beaker privately about it, Rich Gannon. Okay, the Raiders got screwed in the tuck rule, but I haven't made that the basis of my show. Okay, that's not me, the conspiracy theory guy. Okay, this year, a bunch of emails got leaked about John Gruden and no one else. I never defended those emails once in the contents of those emails. I would never do that, and you know me for that. 
but those emails got leaked, and there were people in the league who were aware of those emails and were partners with Mark Davis, owners, who were aware of that along with the league, and no one came to Mark in July and August and said, you got a big problem brewing, dude. you got a massive problem. You better, you better bring your team in close because a crater bomb is coming right at the Henderson facility. Nobody did that. And I back Mark Davis as my friend. Nobody did that for Mark Davis, including a couple of his partners. But we took that. As a fan base, we took that and went through a lot of adversity. Then, Baker Mayfield went on the COVID list with a whole bunch of Cleveland Browns. And they moved the game. And I said, what the hell are they moving the game for? You just got to play the game. That's why you have a third-string quarterback. The third-string quarterback might have to play the game. You, gotta, you can't have all your quarterbacks in a room in case all three of them get COVID, and the Raiders were forced to travel differently on the road, go play a game. They won that game, and you didn't hear a lot out of me on that until today because they didn't move the Saints game. I watched what they did with the Cleveland game. I didn't want to act like on New Year's, my last show, but what they did was they, they didn't do the same thing for New Orleans that they did for Cleveland. Am I right? Of course I'm right. I wouldn't be saying it if I wasn't right. I prepped my show. And then finally, Carson Wentz, who chose to be unvaccinated and I think followed the rules, and this is the big one, so hold on. This is the big one. He followed the rules better than Aaron Rodgers, who also chose not to be vaccinated and lied about it. Carson Wentz didn't lie about it. He wore the mask every day, wore the mask in the meetings. He followed everything perfectly. But then he got COVID. Then he got COVID, and they changed the rules as the Raiders are traveling again. And now basically an unvaccinated player is being rewarded. That would be like our federal government, our state government telling us six months from now, everybody who's unvaccinated, you're going to be treated the same way as everybody who got vaccinated. Everyone else who got vaccinated would be like, what the hell did I do that for? I thought I was going to get privileges for being vaccinated and helping out. So I gave you the Gruden emails in the monologue. I gave you the Cleveland scam. And I'm giving you Carson Wentz. That should be enough for you to react to this show. I don't want to be this guy. I don't want to yell. My wife's in the other room. We're excited today. The kids are home. But I just can't do it any other way, man. I can't do it any other way. When there is an injustice to the Raider Nation, I have been the guy for 23 years fighting for you inside and outside the building so you have a voice. I have put more Raider fans on the radio than anyone who's ever lived. That'll never be broken. That'll never be broken, I promise you. So Raider Nation, unite and go into Indy and get the win and have a chance against the Chargers. Yeah, I'm, I'm not an expert on the, the COVID. You know, I I'm not really sure how that works, and I'm not sure if he gets two negatives tomorrow or two negatives two days in a row. And so, we, you know, we have a whole uh, slew of guys that, that handle that. I just know right as of today he wasn't able to practice, and um, we'll see what happens tomorrow. But uh, and if it's the five-day protocol, then he probably would not be able to play. So we'll find out here as the week goes on. Rich Passaccia, you'll hear my conversation with him coming up. JT. Back with you as we continue. You just heard Steph McKenzie talk about Remy Martin. We want to thank Remy Martin. They team up for excellence. What a proud partner of mine, Remy Martin. 
I always have a Remy Martin cognac in my hand when I'm talking X's and O's. And my team, led by Tory, does a great job. They have the Remy Martin room in the back of the Raiders Tavern and Grill. And whenever you go through one of the distinguished properties on the Strip Corridor or off the Strip, ask for Remy Martin. It's right there. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. I want to thank them for all of their support this year. They've been fantastic. They are a long-term customer and client and friend of ours, and we greatly appreciate their business. All right, so we're going to get into the calls. We'll talk about the entire year if you want to, and we're ready to roll. Let's start off with Reggie in North Las Vegas. Thanks, Reggie. What's happening? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks, JT. The first thing I got to say is, man, mad, mad respect and love for you doing what you do. I've been hearing you, listening, tuning in as long as I can remember back before you had a show. So I just love what you do. I appreciate it. It's why I listen to this particular station now. And then on top of that, it's so much going on. I, I, I intended to call with one thing, but you went through so many things. I'm over here. I'm on a roller coaster right now. So I'll just say this. As far as how we win this game, we have to stay consistent to what we have done this past week. Be consistent. Offensive line, be consistent. That defense, if that defense can show up the way they showed up last week, you can't tell me we don't stand a better chance to win this game. And then on top of all of that, them LBs, our linebackers have to be committed not to make any overcommitments and, and, and let the guy get outside or let the guy get inside. They have to play that game where they're relying on each other and playing consistent team effort. And the one thing I wanted to say is I, I guess this is going to be my Madden miracle, man, because if they pull mm-hmm. this off, I think they could pull anything off. And then the last part of it, man, they got to learn how to gang tackle. I want to see them just like like tigers jumping on that zebra, you know, when we watch the Discovery Channel. They all work together to get what they need, and we got to dictate this game. That's how we will win, JT. I believe we could win. I'm glad they got back to this point because it don't matter what your record is. If you don't have a chance to be in the playoff, it don't even matter. And they have yep. a chance. Let's go, Thanks, Reggie. Thanks, Reggie. Thanks for all your support this year. Really appreciate it. 702-365-9200. Ruben, right here in Vegas, where we want to thank everybody listening on 920 Raider Nation Radio. Ruben, go ahead. Hey, JT, happy new year to you, your family, you know, the broadcast team, the whole entire uh, organization. Um, really quick, uh, I, I couldn't get through yesterday. I know it was a dedication show, but RIP, RIP, uh, Coach Madden. I'm watching the documentary right now, barely. And um, I know you had Matt Millen on yesterday. I heard the interview. Is that barn that they interview him on the Madden documentary? His barn in the background? Was there interview yeah, that's his, he's got a wood shop. Matt's got a wood shop where he makes furniture, cabinets. He's great at it. It's like his passion. So you always see Matt when he's at home with his overalls on, dust all over him, and he's working in his wood shop in his barn. And they did that on the on the Matt Millen documentary. So he spent a lot of time in that barn with Coach Madden. When the Madden Cruiser would get to Pennsylvania, they'd pull over, have a meal, spend the night, hang out with Matt Millen. That's how tight they are. Yeah, I, I, I'm just watching right now, man. I look, just, just looking at it from the background of it, you know, when him in it, it looks like a Game of Thrones castle or something. But you know, <laughs> good documentary, man. Like I said, hopefully we, you know, get this win this uh, coming weekend, beat those Colts and, and beat the Chargers, and 
Thank you, JT, Raider Nation Radio, man. I listen to you guys. I'm on vacation right now, so I'm rocking you. But I'm just listening to you guys all the time and during work hours, and I appreciate and thankful for everything you guys do. Have a safe New Year. Go Raiders. Yep, uh, that's it. Go Raiders. And it's a big game, no doubt about it. And the connection from John Madden with his former players, the one I have to sit down with and have a Heineken with is George Atkinson. Because George and John, forget about it. When you think of John Madden, I think of George Atkinson. When I think of George Atkinson, I think of John Madden. And George has been on the staff, and George has been through a lot. As we all know, anybody who knows George loves George Atkinson and what he's been through, the loss of his sons. Uh, Now he's on the coaching staff. He was brought in by Coach Gruden, and he's grinding it out every day. He's a hell of a human being. I love George Atkinson. Gave me my start on Raiders Radio as his partner on the pre- and post-game show. Whenever I say Grimaldi's is the best pizza I've ever had, I mean it. I I don't make that up. I'm from New York. I've eaten great pizza my whole life. Long Island, New York City, upstate New York, Buffalo, wherever it is. When you go west, typically the pizza gets worse. Typically. Now, there's great pizza all over the place. Chicago deep dish. New Orleans. I've had great pizza in Florida. The water. Everybody says, well, the water makes it. Every time I go to Grimaldi's, I love it. I get the Brooklyn Bridge. The pizza's tremendous. The service is great. The salads are unbelievable. The desserts. So when I say Grimaldi's is the best pizza I've ever had, I mean it. Coal-fired brick oven pizza. A must-crave for anyone craving great pizza, especially on a weather day like this. My go-to spot is in Boca Park. You can go to Fashion Show. You can go out in Henderson off of Easton, wherever you're going. Tell them JT sent you to Grimaldi's. When we come back, one of my favorite insiders will join us, Bill Williamson. He's been writing a lot of good things about the year end and what the Raiders have been through and what's at stake with this game. A lot's at stake, a playoff spot, period. Got to win this game. We all know that, and hopefully the Raiders get a few more players off of COVID protocol, and they're ready to go. JT, thank you, everybody, for listening all year. Happy New Year in advance. Again, I just think it's a credit goes to Gus, a credit goes to the defense, and certainly a lot of our identity is, is up front, you know, on our defensive front, what they've been able to do this year. Um, it's really been all year, and again, I, I know Gus talks about it. We, we seem to just keep improving week in and week out, and we've been fortunate for the most part to hang on to those guys. You know, we lost Hankins last week um, with an aggravated back, and we fully anticipate having him back, and, um, you know, uh, square has stepped in and played well, and Phylon has stepped in and played well inside, and Solomon Thomas has been extremely consistent all year, you know, those those big bodies um, on the inside, and, and uh, we've done a good job on the edge. We all know about Max's motor and how he's played along with Yannick, and, and Carl's had a, had a heck of a year, and, and Klee keeps improving. So it starts up front for us. It's a, it's a tall task. Again, it's a team that really concentrates on running the football, time of possession, those things, and we've kind of we've seen this now, right? This will be the third week in a row we're playing against a really well coached and a really physical run game, and we'll uh, we'll show up and we'll, we'll be expected to to perform and, and to play well. That's Rich Passaccia. My conversation with him coming up at the top of the hour, brought to you by Five Iron Golf. If you're on a golf course, that's one thing. If you're not, Five Iron Golf's the only place in Vegas to go inside with the simulator, Area 15, 
and play in their leagues, have great food and drinks, and play real legendary golf courses like I do every Saturday. It's my go-to spot. It's where I go, and my golf game has gotten noticeably better, especially when it's cold. You want to beat the heat in the summer, go to Five Iron Golf, Area 15, second floor. It is the best place in town by far to play golf with brand-new equipment, brand-new equipment, and you can get a new set of clubs there. You can get lessons. Everything there is fantastic. I love Five Iron Golf. We appreciate Bill Williamson joining us, the great Raider insider. And, Bill, uh, as we begin, thanks for everything this year. It's another great year having you on throughout the season. We greatly appreciate you coming on. Oh, thank you. I enjoy it so much. We talk to each other for 20 years, right, JT? We still talk and we get along. Uh, we can't say that for everyone in the history of media, and I really value your opinion. Bill, let's jump in. Let's get the keys to this game, in your opinion. It seems to be Jonathan Taylor stopping the run, but the Raiders had a banner day stopping that Denver ground game. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the Raiders won that Denver game on the ground on both sides of the ball. It's really, really spectacular what they did. Um, this is a different animal. You know, this is a guy who has six – 1,526 rushing yards, um, and they just know how to run the ball, and they, they got their offensive line back uh, for various reasons. Um, so, you know, it be interesting if Wentz is back. You know, talks about Wentz. It's trending that he's back, but if he's back, he still haven't practiced all week. There's going to be some timing issues there for each to start the game. I mean, that's what's so unusual. That, you know, hey, we got a quarterback back, but still haven't practiced all week. So it's going to be the ground game is going to set it up. But, you know, once he gets that, you know, a short amount of rust off him, it's going to be even more challenging. And let's face it, the Raiders haven't played a quarterback in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be a different story if Wentz is out there. But this is a run-first offense in Indianapolis, and it's a special run-first offense. But that's certainly the key for the Raiders. And I think the other key for the Raiders they got to protect the football better. They've led the league in turnovers uh, since the bye. And the Colts have 31 takeaways, second most in the NFL. So you can't hope the ball bounces your way this week. You know, the, the Colts are going to take a man's in and it's in their house. And, they, you know, the Raiders are going to have to play pretty close to flawless. And that's another thing that they haven't done the last two weeks. They've won these games, but they've had five turnovers. Wow, that's so, a great stat. That's a great stat about the turnovers and the takeaways that they're able to get. Man, we'll keep that in mind. That's tremendous analysis. Bill Williamson joins us. Bill, I'm concerned that. Well, let, before I get to more analysis of the game, what are your peers around the league saying about Carson Wentz and the new protocol? All of a sudden, he remains unvaccinated, and it looks like, from my and many people's eyes, he's getting rewarded now. There was a penalty phase if you were unvaccinated. Now there is no penalty phase, and what blows me away even more is that he should still have to test, and I don't know all the details, but the fact that if he doesn't report symptoms that he can potentially go out and play, I find that ridiculous. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not the Carson Wentz rule. It's the, you know, it's the national health guidelines that the NFL mm-hmm. changes. He just happens to be an unvaccinated guy who's high profile, who's in the situation right as it begun. You know, I mean, he went into the protocol hours before the national, the NFL adopted the national rule, which went in effect the day before. Um, I don't have, I don't know what to say about this stuff because it changes so much and it's so fluid. And I know they're all doing the best they can. And I know 
good flying, and these people are a lot brighter than me, especially in this area. And I don't know. It's just it's just the way it is. And um, yeah, it, it's. It, I guess I will say one thing. This is not about Wentz in particular. It's strange that they don't have to test out to get out anymore. Yes. You know, um, they're certainly trying to um, get the season in. You know that the winter season is only going to get worse, and they got the playoffs, and they're worried about that. But one thing I will say, and again, I, I don't feel comfortable talking about guidelines because I'm—I don't know what's going on. But it seems to me that they feel like, from everything they've seen the last few weeks with this new variant in the NFL, that it is—it is something that comes and goes quickly, and there isn't a lot of um, real worry or at least recent history of serious and and you know serious implications and that's why they changed it and again i don't feel super comfortable talking about it because i, I i'm not a genius you know but no, I yeah it, I, I understand where the raiders fans angst is um but then you know brown fans had their angst for other reasons so it's it's mm-hmm. just the way it is there's no conspiracy out there it's just what it is and it's an everyday pain in the butt Bill Williamson is our guest, SB Nation, 25 years covering the NFL. So let's move on to what the Raiders need to do in the passing game. The only thing that's concerned me all week, and we spent a lot of time uh, talking about Coach Madden, I'll get to that on the way out, is that I don't want to see the Raiders rely on the run game and be down two scores and have to throw to get back into the game. I'd like to see the Raiders throw early attack i think this is a decent indie secondary it's not great i think Carr can throw deep with deshaun jackson i think and zay jones and underneath the what the season rent throws having do you think the raiders can light a fire under this car offense we haven't seen much from them since dallas other than a couple of couple of throws a, on big third downs i want to see more yeah and he tried the other day it just didn't work um that's the thing you know this is why this game is so important to me, to see if this team's a real playoff contender because they got the last two wins. And Rich Casasio said this twice, and I think it's very, very sage, is that he said that, you know, winning sometimes masks the problems. Well, the offense still isn't great. You know, they, they've scored 30, what, 33 points the last two games in those wins. It's not going to happen against a good team. It's not going to happen against a team with its first-string uh, quarterback, very likely. So yeah, they got to score more. I, I I have been encouraged in the last couple of weeks that they you know on Sunday um, Jackson was more involved. On on the last two weeks, Jay Jones was more involved. They haven't been dynamic, but they've been NFL receivers, and we haven't seen that for much of the you know since since Ruggs left the team. There really hasn't been a whole lot of consistent superior receiver play other than Hunter Renfro. Uh, Edwards had a decent game two weeks ago. He was out last week. He should be back this week, I would think. Um, so I want to see that. I want to see Foster Moreau have his uptick because, you know, while while Waller is eligible to be able to play on Sunday with the COVID situation, you know, Monday, Bisaccia said, I'd like to get him two or three days of practice. Well, that's probably not going to happen with the COVID situation. So do you, get, do you run him out there with absolutely cold i i don't i i question that so those guys are going to have to continue to you know to get open for cars 
Right. Hey, Bill, we, only, we got less than two minutes. Just your takeaway on John Madden. Maybe one story you want to tell or a quick anecdote about your career covering the Raiders and Madden. Yeah, I think I'd like to spend the time talking about the people I talked to on Tuesday night. I talked to Tom Flores, Lester Hayes, Philville, Biano, and they all answered right away. They're all just found out, and they're all. it was very raw, and they, they, they told me all great stories. Both Hayes and, and Phil both told stories of, of really Madden being a, a psychiatrist, and, and Phil used those words. That Lester Hayes said his very first day of practice, they put him at cornerback, and he thought he was going to be a, a strong safety, and he begged Madden to make him a strong safety, what he was at Texas A&M, and Madden said, no, you got great feet, you're 4-3 speed, you could be a star cornerback, and he said he cried. And Madden, he went into the locker room. This is first day of training camp. Madden sends Willie Brown in there. Willie Brown says, get up, kid, get dressed, and he taught him to buff and run that day. And he said, thank God that John Madden did that. And it really, you know, changed my career. And, and Phil had similar stories. Awesome, Bill. Happy New Year. I'll see you soon. Thanks for Happy everything. Have a great you. New Year. Appreciate you. Yeah, you too. See you. All right. You got it. Bill Williamson. That Lester Hayes story is incredible. When you look back at the Madden stories and how they're explained, every player has a story about some moment where John Madden said something to him and it changed their life. For Lester Hayes, it was moving from safety to corner and for a time being, he was the best corner in the world. And that had a lot to do with John Madden. Head coach Rich Basaccia coming up next, our final hour of the year.